Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul, was attacked in the couple's home early Friday morning. According to the liberal media, the assailant was a far-right Republican. And this is just another episode in a years-long pattern of right-wing political violence that threatens the very foundations of our sacred democracy. But the facts that we know, few and hazy as they are, seem to raise some problems for this narrative. For starters, the attacker is reportedly a nudist and hemp jewelry designer from Berkeley. Not exactly the conservative stereotype. Second, in the police dispatch recording, Paul Pelosi referred to the apparent stranger by name and said that he was a friend of his. Third, shouldn't the Speaker of the House of Representatives and the second person in line of succession to the presidency have a couple security guards at the House? At least some cameras and alarms? It's certainly good news that Paul Pelosi is expected to make a full recovery. But as far as I can tell, and despite the liberal media narrative, that's the one and only thing that's certain about this story. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday, or on Friday rather, is from Mike Honcho, who says, my mom voted Democrat in 2020 before she died, and now she will continue to. I know, very spooky. I hope that we don't have any spooky ghosts uh, voting in the midterm elections next week. (laughs) I sort of fear that we might, but I certainly hope not in spooky Illinois and spooky Philadelphia. For some reason, the dead people always seem to make it to the ballot box. It's not great. This Paul Pelosi story is really weird because although the initial report said that the assailant is this far right, ultra MAGA, conservative, whatever, his name is David DePap, DePape. He's a Berkeley nudist and hemp jewelry designer. He's a former member of the Green Party. Uh, he, uh, according to uh, neighbors, is a, uh, he's a, what, like a big lib. He's a, they're outside of the home that he was staying at. There are pride flags and all, all sorts of other stuff. And then according to the police dispatch video, we've, or, or audio rather, uh, Paul Pelosi knew the guy. Northern four car, a priority 910, 2640 Broadway, cross of Scott and Normandy. I have a 14 hour copy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. 12 hour back and copy. He says, yeah, I'm somewhat confused. So he says it, it, he doesn't know the person, but he said his name is David and he is a friend. And so the, you hear the guy in the dispatch line, yeah, I'm somewhat confused. I think we're all uh, somewhat confused. Then, according to reports, an unidentified person let law enforcement into the Pelosi home. That's kind of weird. Uh, then, also, I, I know a number of politicians who are way less prominent and powerful than Nancy Pelosi. And a lot of them have security guards at their homes, especially around election time, especially when threats are a little higher. So it's pretty weird to me that there was no security whatsoever at the home of the Speaker of the House. Presumably, she's got some cameras. Everybody's got security cameras now. So if she does, presumably that footage would be very, very helpful. How did the guy get in in the first place? I'm not saying that it can't happen. 
The story, as is being reported in CNN, it couldn't be totally legit because some of the facts really don't add up at all. It could be mostly legit, though. I'm not saying it can't. It's just that a lot of it doesn't really add up. And so, as always, when this story broke, there were two reactions. There was the reaction of the the really emotive kind of people. I'm talking two reactions on the right, the center and on the right, where people rush. They say, this is terrible. This is awful. The right-wingers have gone too far. We need to get back to some semblance of civility in this country. What's happened? These far-right MAGA people. And they just, they rush to, to judgment and they immediately buy the media narrative and they rush to condemn their own side, the right-wing. They, they totally bought hook, line, and sinker that this guy is a right-winger. And that's one reaction. And then there was the other reaction, which is, wait for the details. We know Paul Pelosi, we're told, is he's going to make a good recovery. Okay, great. That's wonderful. That's, that's the good news. Okay, now all the rest of it, let's wait for the story to shake out. And so I am almost always in the latter camp. I never rush right away to reaction with these stories. And it's because I learned the lesson that the media always lie. And especially right before election season, the media really go into ultra lying mode. And, and so you've just got to wait for that to shake out. And, and I think the people who reacted right away and said, no, this is, this is the worst thing ever. And this is obviously the Republicans and we've got to stop it. And we need to get, they just haven't learned that lesson. They haven't learned the lesson to just chill out. I remember during the Trump years, this was a, a key issue. You'd see some big headline, Donald Trump eats babies. And then there would be this rush by people, even on the right to say, well, I condemn this. I disavow this, please. I'm, this is not my party. And you think, guys, you need the 24-hour rule, okay? Because whatever the media are reporting, that's almost a guarantee that it's not true by the very fact that the media are reporting it. And they're, they're really pushing this narrative here. Joe Biden said that the guy who, who went, was found in the Pelosi home is uh, basically a January 6th insurrectionist. You know, uh, it's reports that the same chant was used by this guy they have in custody that was used on January 6th in the attacks on the U.S. Capitol. I'm not making this up. This is reported. I can't guarantee it. I can tell you what's being reported. The chant was, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? This is despicable. There's no place in America. There's too much violence, political violence. Too much hatred, too much vitriol. Too much political violence, too much hatred. This is the man who just gave a speech in front of an infernal red backdrop calling half the country fascists whose very existence poses a threat to our sacred democracy who need to be completely written out of politics. This is the man whose party has not only called for but enacted political violence for years now, which burned half the country down in 2020, where Chuck Schumer, we're talking about major Democrats here, Chuck Schumer called and said, watch out, Justice Gorsuch, watch out, Justice Kavanaugh, we're coming for you, we're going to unleash the whirlwind. Hillary Clinton says you can't be civil with your political opponents. Maxine Waters says you got to push back on Republicans when you find them in public spaces and tell them they're not wanted here and then go to their homes where their children sleep and yell outside of their windows. This is the Democrat party that that was protesting illegally outside of the the Supreme Court justices' homes after they illegally leaked the, the Supreme Court decision in the Dobbs case. And then one of these people went and tried to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh 
Lebanon. This is the party where after their foot soldiers went out and, and burned things down and killed people and looted and rioted, where the sitting vice president of the United States right now, Kamala Harris, bailed them out of jail, bailed the violent people out of jail, and where staffers for Joe Biden himself sent out that same bail link to bail out the rioters, to get them back on the street, to commit more violence against Republicans. It's just complete BS. It's so disingenuous. I don't want to hear a word from Joe Biden on political violence. And by the way, in this case, he's trying to pretend that the guy who was found in Pelosi's home in the middle of the night, that he's some right-wing insurrectionist MAGA January 6th. Well, the neighbors of this guy uh, say that that story doesn't make any sense. Okay, but so the last time you saw him was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And he was here for a few days. Yes. Okay. Anything strange about him or anything that stood out? There's something strange about the whole household. <laughs> the entire household is very, very strange. How about him? Um, uh, he is birds of a feather with uh, akin to them. So they are just, you know, nudist drug abusers and that's who gravitates toward them. And it's, the children, I'm sorry, the children who live there, they seem to be underage or under 18. I'm not sure how old they are. Okay. And Trisha, again, what's the, what do you say their politics are? Um, I'm not sure. I would imagine that they're more left-leaning uh, because of their support for uh, um, the gay community um, and for, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> for other people, but uh, it is, uh, now I'm not sure what way they lean yeah. because... Because they have the flag, the LGBT flag with the yeah. pot. Yeah, yeah. So. Not exactly the portrait of the, the January 6th or the MAGA Republican. That, that doesn't add up at all. Then you add on to this the fact that Paul Pelosi has been in the news recently for his personal troubles. Uh, Paul Pelosi drunk drove his car and then crashed it. And then they tried to bury this in the news, but eventually it came out and he was eventually charged with it. So all of that to say, who knows, this could be completely random. Maybe this guy, this, this guy who was found in the Pelosi home did have a political change of heart. Maybe he did consider himself right wing, even though the rest of the story doesn't quite seem, seem to point to that. Maybe this, maybe he was looking for Nancy Pelosi. Maybe all of that is true, but given Given every single thing that we know about this incident and Paul Pelosi and the attacker and the family and everything, we can, ur- we can urge caution here. I think that would be the responsible thing to do. And especially knowing that the media lie about everything, especially in the run-up to elections, I, the, probably the, the safest and smartest bet here when you're looking at this story is to approach it with a very healthy degree of skepticism and independent thought to try to figure out the details ourselves, because right now they just don't add up. But the one thing I think we can conclude from the story is that it's very important to protect your home, which is why you got to check out Ring. Head on over to ring.com. It's a wonderful time of year. Fall has so many wonderful things to enjoy, not just pumpkin spice lattes. The kids are back in school. The chaos of summer travel has come to an end. You can get back into the swing of things. And for many of us, autumn means it's a very busy time. Work, school, sports, clubs. You may find yourself away from home more often than not, which is why I have decided to team up with Ring. With Ring security products, you can rest easy knowing that your home and family are safe when you're not there. The Ring doorbell notifies you when guests or packages arrive. Ring's indoor cameras let you keep an eye on kids and pets while you're away. Ring alarm will alert you of any motion detection while the house is empty. Plus, if you add smart lighting around your home, 
you can turn lights on and off while you're away. Very, very handy. Head on over to ring.com to find out how you can live a little more stress-free this season with a ring product that is right for you. That is ring.com. I just don't want to hear one peep from Democrats on political violence. All these Republicans, they're committing political, I don't want to hear one peep. Republicans commit statistically zero political violence. Democrats commit statistically all of the political violence in the country and openly call for it and encourage it from the highest levels of political power. And you're seeing right now, a lot of them are just look like such complete freaking hypocrites. One of the greatest Twitter accounts is Defiant L's, which just finds libs who, who engage in rank hypocrisy where they, they'll, they'll, they'll be saying one thing now, you know, we need to disavow political violence. And then you look back even six months and they've got another tweet mocking some political violence against conservatives. So here's one. There's a character who is just a social media personality. I don't think he's ever done anything uh, of note in his own life outside of the internet, but he's, he's become a, you know, kind of pop popular blue check on the left. Brooklyn Dad Defiant. And so Brooklyn Dad Defiant tweets out in response to the Pelosi attack, the violent, heinous attack on Paul Pelosi, the speaker's husband, needs to be denounced in the strongest possible terms by both sides. He was attacked with a hammer, FFS. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. That, that seems like a reasonable thing to say, right? It does. Yeah, you want it. You don't want anyone to be attacked, even if the guy is married to the wicked witch from the West. You don't want. You don't want anyone to be attacked with a hammer in his home. But then Brooklyn Dad Defiant tweeted out on May twelfth, twenty twenty. I think Dr. Anthony Fauci could probably pick up where Rand Paul's neighbor left off, and nobody would mind at all. <laughs> but we need. Come on, you these awful Republicans. They make light of political violence. We need to, on both sides, we need to return to civility. Oh yeah, the neighbor should have finished off Rand Paul. That's what, by the way, you remember that? No one even remembers that now. We're all talking about the Paul Pelosi attack. Rand Paul was attacked in his home. The guy, the neighbor almost killed Rand Paul. Rand Paul was in the hospital, broken ribs, all kinds. I think he had a collapsed lung if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Remember that? No, that doesn't matter. Remember when, when the lib almost murdered Steve Scalise and Rand Paul actually on the congressional baseball field? Remember that one? Oh no, that one, that's completely covered up. All of the political violence against the, the conservatives gets covered up. John Pavlovitz, who's a, a, a big lib politico, he tweets out, the attack on Paul Pelosi is the direct result of Fox News's and the GOP's purposefully irresponsible rhetoric. It will continue to get worse. And if it gets control of Congress, our, he clearly also doesn't quite understand how grammar works, but that's okay. We'll, we assume that the libs are illiterate. If it gets control of Congress, our nation will be unrecognizable. Uh, we need to vote these monsters into oblivion. Now, what does he tweet on May 13th, 2020? There you have it. I get Rand Paul's neighbor. That irresponsible rhetoric. By the way, have you heard any have you heard one single Republican or conservative say, yeah, Paul Pelosi got what he deserved. Yeah, get him again. Bring a bigger hammer next. Time. Have you heard any of that? I haven't heard that. All I've heard from conservatives, as always, is, oh, I hope he gets better. That's okay. That's good that he's safe. You know, he, I might not agree with his politics, but he's a fellow human. That's all I've heard. That's not all I heard when they almost killed Rand Paul, though. I heard the libs celebrating and guffawing and cheering. And then this is the funniest one of all. Christine Pelosi. Christine Pelosi, March 22nd, 2020. Obviously, Christine Pelosi, uh, the Pelosi's daughter, uh, very upset that her uh, father was attacked. And then Christine Pelosi, March 22nd, 2020. 
Rand Paul's neighbor was right. Okay, so there you have it. I don't, I don't even care to do this game of, could you imagine if the shoe were on the other foot? Could you imagine what the media would say? If, yeah, right. Could you, if, if my aunt had testicles, she would be my uncle. Could you imagine <laughs> these hypotheticals that could never possibly happen? Oh yes. Wouldn't, wouldn't, if everything were totally different, wouldn't things be totally different? Yes. I only, I only mention it to point out, you shouldn't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Don't let the libs pressure you into disavowing the right and conceding that our rhetoric actually has been a little, and you know, Trump's tweets have been a little edgy and no, 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 not even close. Not even close. All of the violence is from the left statistically. None of the violence is from the right statistically. All of the heinous reactions to celebrate political violence from the left, virtually none of them from the right. Move on. We can just move on. Say a prayer for Paul Pelosi that he recovers, which you've probably done already, and then move on, okay? The smart Democrats understand this. The smart Democrats understand that they are very weak on this issue and that they look like huge hypocrites. And, and so what they're trying to do now is not just blame the Republicans. The, the, I'm saying the smart Democrats. There aren't a ton of those left in political office. But they're not trying to say, this is all the Republicans' fault. And this is, they're the ones pushing political violence because they remember BLM and they remember Antifa and they remember all of it. So now what they're saying is, you know, look, it's, it's happening a little bit on both sides. Yes, I grant it's happening. We, we've been irresponsible, the Democrats. But, but the Republicans are just much, much worse. And so this is what you're hearing from the head of DCCC. This would be Sean Maloney. He's a Democrat congressman. He's an old Clinton guy, been a Democrat party operative going back to the 90s. He, he actually now represents my old district where I grew up. I've worked on races against John Patrick Maloney. Uh, he, whatever you want to say about the guy, he is pretty intelligent. Uh, he's, he's trying to thread a needle right now, especially because he's in a district that has gone Republican before. He could lose his seat. The head of the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee could actually be booted out of Congress. I think that would be the first time that that ever happened. And so he's trying to walk this middle line. And now he's saying, uh, yes, maybe we have some responsibility. But really, when you really think about it, it's mostly the Republicans. What's different is when a president, for the first time in our history, says he was cheated out of the results when he knows mm -hmm. that's a lie. So let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's not pretend for a minute that both sides have the same, the same amount of accountability for, for the loss of confidence in our elections. One side has been out there for a couple of years now doing everything they can to pretend Joe Biden didn't win fair and square when he did. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. Sure, one side has been out there for a couple of years now questioning our elections. And the other side has been out there for a couple of decades now questioning our elections. That's the difference, Sean. The Republicans over the last couple of years, because Democrats rigged the 2020 election, and it was the craziest election in our lifetime, and in the weeks and months before the election, they changed all the election rules, in some cases illegally, in some cases in violation of a state constitution, like in Pennsylvania. And so the Republicans reacted to that and said, hey, you guys cheated. And then the, the, the libs actually went out in a very lengthy essay in Time magazine and said, here's how we rigged the election in 2020. Here, here, we're actually admitting that we did that. So yes, you're right. For two years, conservatives have been questioning the legitimacy of our elections. Democrats have been doing that for at least two decades, more than two decades. They did it with the 2000 election. Some even did it with the 2004 election. I'm talking about members of Congress. 
Some, they obviously did it with the 2016 election. Hillary, as far as I can tell, still hasn't really conceded that election. Stacey Abrams is still doing that with the 2018 election. The list goes on and on. So you're right. You're right, Sean. Let's not pretend that Republicans and Democrats share equal responsibility for denying elections and, and for, for uh, reducing the trust that we have as Americans in our institutions. Right. The Democrats bear all the responsibility. Republicans bear basically none of it at all. It's, it is all the Democrats' fault. I don't want to sound reductionist or partisan or anything, but it's just, it's just a fact. <laughs> it's not even close. You look at violence, it's not even close the responsibility that the Democrats have for violence compared to the Republicans. You look at election denial or whatever, on every measure, it's not even close. Speaking of the liberals denying reality, there's that fellow Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is a uh, transvestite sort of guy. He uh, he, uh, is now become a, a major sensation in his own right. Uh, he's interviewed the president, for goodness sakes. And no one knew who he was before, I don't know, like two months ago. And now he's everywhere. And now he's getting uh, corporate sponsorships. And he, your kids are definitely seeing him. And the guy is just on every sc- screen everywhere. And I, I think Dylan Mulvaney, actually, the silver lining of this transgender madness, Dylan Mulvaney is actually showing what lies at the root of not just the transgender issue, but so much of this modern chaos that we find ourselves in. It was one Dylan Mulvaney video that proved this to me. And it it's the sort of thing, I'm going to have to show it to my family around uh, Thanksgiving. And you know, when I can, I'm always so excited to prepare that Thanksgiving turkey. But before I do that, I got to call Cinch. Head on over to cinch.com. Use promo code Knowles. Okay. Before you pull out that turkey fryer, you've got to give Cinch a call. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane tanks right to your door. Cinch delivers on your schedule. There's no long-term commitment or subscription required. Plus, delivery is completely contactless. You don't have to be home to receive the delivery. You can track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. Are you looking to exchange a tank? Cinch handles that whole process for you so you don't have to go to the hardware store or gas station. You can exchange any brand of tank as long as it is standard grill size. You choose your delivery date. Cinch handles the rest. So right now you go online to cinch.com or download their app to order. New customers can get their first tank exchange for just $10 with promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is cinch.com, or you can download the Cinch app. Use promo code Knowles to get your first tank exchange for just 10 bucks. C-Y-N-C-H.com, promo code Knowles. This is a limited time offer, and you must live within a Cinch service area to redeem it. Visit cinch.com slash offer for details. Dylan Mulvaney, the man who pretends to be a girl on social media, has gone corporate. He's now shilling an ad for Instacart. Note to self, never use Instacart again. Uh, and in this advertisement for Instacart, I think he accidentally shows you what lies at the heart of basically all of our modern political problems. Instacart that y'all can shop to get my dream sleepover experience. Oh, speaking of, my order is here. I have the delivery. First things first, skincare. And I'm warning you beforehand, I eat mostly junk food, but we're having a sleepover, so it's allowed. Oh, it's hot. 
It's hot. I still have room in my dessert stomach, so we're having ice cream. I think we start with prank calls and then put a finger down. Then we'll go around and manifest all of our dreams and goals for the rest of the year. Then a rom-com and then we can paint our nails and we're going to stay up all night long. Visit the link in my bio to shop Dylan's Sleepover Essentials via Instacart now. So everybody's focusing on one that this guy's now got a corporate sponsorship. That's the that's one level of analysis. Or they'll focus on this guy, he's just doing a caricature of, of, you know, a sort of 90s sitcom gay man or a ridiculous cartoon of what men think women are like. And it's just, that's so offensive. And he's wearing women's face. And this is, okay, that's another level of analysis. That's not what caught my attention. One word caught my attention in that video. Manifest. Did you hear that? In between the popcorn and the rom-com, and it, he said, we're going to manifest our futures together. We're going to manifest our destinies, and then we're going to do, 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 do. Or manifest our, not manifest destiny. That would be pretty cool, actually. Uh, you know, we're going to manifest our dreams and desires. That word manifest is a, the language of new age occultism. It's a, it's a very weird kind of demonic idea that you can make yourself into a sort of a god and make demands on God himself and demands on the entire universe and that it will just happen. This is what you see in the, that book, The Secret, and in a lots of kind of weird, new agey, self-help, Oprah kind of stuff, is this idea that you're really a divine, you're the divine spirit. And if you just, if you just believe enough in your own power and the power of your your consciousness and your energy, you can make the universe do whatever you want. And it's, it's a cult and it's demonic. And it, it made me realize, oh, you know what all of this is about? You know what all of this is about? It's not about the second wave feminists. And it's not about the rise of this particular ideology at this particular time. It's not about, you know, the, the, the critical theory department of the, you know, it's, you know what it's about? It's, it's because people aren't getting baptized. That's why I know, I know Media Matters is going to clip this out. Good. I hope you do clip this out because I want people to hear this. Why is, all, why is the world getting so insane right now? I think once you get past all the layers of the economic analysis and the political ideological, you know, it's because public religion is on the decline. People are not getting baptized. And so they're not, during baptism, during the traditional rite of baptism, Three exorcisms are, are performed on the person being baptized to cast out the demons that prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls because this is a very fallen world and uh, this is a, a wonderful thing and then you get the demons cast out of you and you don't need to worry about this stuff as much anymore. Uh, well, now people aren't being baptized and the demons are just running amok. This stuff, the Dylan Mulvaney stuff, the transgender stuff, it's just demonic. Think about furries. Have you heard of furries? You know, furries are these people who have this weird sexual fetish where they think that they're basically possessed by the spirits of animals. That's just demons. What do you call, what would you, if you went back in a time machine 500 years and you were talking to ye old Johnny Smith down the street and you said, oh, hi there, Mr. Smith. Yeah, I'm from the future and I'm actually, I'm something called a furry. He says, what's a furry, lad? And I don't know, I don't know why he's Irish. And, and you say, oh, furry. Well, you see, I'm, I am 
actually, I know I look like a human, but I'm actually the spirit of an animal. And that's really what animates me. And so I'm really a chipmunk. And that's, that's my true spirit. He'd look at you, probably a little wacky, and he'd say, oh, you're possessed by a demon, laddie. You know, go get down to the local priest and get exercised. These people who say, that not only are they one gender, but they're multiple genders in their heads. We've, we've played this, these clips on the show of people who say, I've got these head mates, these head partners, and they're all these different personalities in my head. So one day I'm a boy, one day I'm a girl, one, depending on who's kind of in control of my body. What do you call that? It's just demons, man. It's just demons. <laughs> like I, and I know that people are going to look at me like I'm crazy when I say that, but what is crazier? Because for all of human history, every single place in the world, including in Christendom and every pagan culture everywhere forever, everyone has had some sense that there is not only a physical world, but a spiritual world, and that some spirits are good and some spirits are bad, and the bad spirits are demons, and they do weird stuff to humanity. Okay, Everyone for all of human history has thought that until about five minutes ago in our stupid atheist civilization. And now our explanation for these phenomena is that actually boys can secretly be girls and sometimes people actually are animated by the spirits of chipmunks and that actually if you believe enough in your consciousness and your energy, you can make the universe bend toward your specific will through manifesting, through the secret and the Oprah book club and the, some of the most popular media out there. Which, do, which is crazier? Obviously the modern stuff is crazier. I, I, I know that it seems like really simplistic political analysis to say that the cure for these problems is to just go and get baptized. But that is, if people, why did this stuff go away in the Middle Ages? In ancient pagan cultures, you had, you had furries, okay? In ancient pagan cultures, you had something akin to transgenderism and people just feeling that they were possessed by all sorts of spirits. Why did it largely go away throughout Christendom? I know the atheists and the liberals and the rationalists are not going to believe me. It's because people were baptized and because the demons were not allowed to run amok. But they are now, and that's very bad, and we should strongly discourage it, okay? Dylan Mulvaney, he definitely needs a psychologist, but he, he more than that even, he, he really needs a priest. Speaking of casting out demons, the new chief twit, the new head of Twitter, Elon Musk, has reportedly uh, had Tesla engineers lock down the Tesla software code. So he comes in, he's carrying his sink into Twitter headquarters, and he takes over, and he decapitates the Twitter leadership, and he fires the CEO, Prag Agrawal, and he fires that awful woman who censored Donald Trump, and he fires the head legal counsel, sends them all packing. And then, according to reports, he locks the Twitter engineers out of the code which is a really good sign because that means that his own engineers can go in and audit it and see what is going on with the algorithm. Since Elon Musk took over, you have maybe noticed if you're on Twitter, a spike in your followers. And for those of us who are in the media or in politics where we have, just by virtue of our jobs, we have bigger follower accounts. I think I've gained something like 50,000 followers since Elon Musk took over. So clearly something is going on at Twitter right now. Every conservative just about is seeing a spike, uh, at least a relative spike in not only follows, but also engagement. So what is going on? Yeah, I'm, we know that the libs had their thumb on the scales. They had their boot on the scales and they were, they were tilting the public square 
against conservatives, against what normal people want, in favor of these lunatics, in favor of people like Dylan Mulvaney and transgenderism and open borders and the Democrats, all all of which the issues and the people have very low public approval ratings, but nonetheless are disproportionately promoted on Twitter. And then they partner with these fake fact-checking websites like Snopes and PolitiFact, which just publish left-wing opinion pieces as though they're the gospel truth. And then based on those left-wing opinion pieces, they censor conservatives on issues like COVID, on issues like the elections, and so forth. So, and they do this all, obviously, with the support of the establishment media, which just got totally trolled by conservatives, specifically with regard to Twitter. Take a listen to this interview with apparently fired Twitter employees outside of headquarters. I mean, a free speech is, you know, Nazis saying that, uh, you know, trans women shouldn't, you know, use women's uh, locker rooms, then awesome. I guess mission accomplished. We'll see. Listen, I got to touch base with my husband and wife. I got to get out of here. All right. Thank you, guys. Listen, I've got to go touch base with my husband and wife. I got to get out of here. Uh, That man introduced himself as Daniel Johnson and presented himself to the media as a fired uh, Twitter engineer. There was another guy who did this, his friend Rahul Ligma. And uh, so the two guys together would be Ligma and Johnson, Ligma Johnson. And the media totally fell for it. The story here, the story here is not that these guys are trolls and they had a funny line. The real story here is that the media aired that segment. The real story here is that the media were duped by these guys. Even that phrase, okay, I got to go see my husband and wife now. The media are so, so far gone in leftist ideology. They probably didn't even bat an eyelash at that statement. Every normal person is doubled over laughing at that. That's so freaking funny. But because it's actually not so far off from the left's insane ideology, they went along with it. The real takeaway from from that stunt is that, as we have seen time and time again, the people, the great bulk of the people, have much, much, much more common sense. They have common sense. And the liberal ruling class does not. You know, we launched Jeremy's Razors just a few months ago. We've already taken millions of dollars away from woke razor companies that hate you and use that money to better support what you believe in. But the time has come for Jeremy's Razors to look inward and conduct a totally legit, not at all hollow or contrived DEI audit of ourselves. So here it is. Are Jeremy's Razors diverse? No. The razors are great. We don't need to make different ones. Are Jeremy's Razors equitable? Well, yes, when you buy a founder's kit equity is transferred away from your pocket and into Jeremy's. And lastly, are Jeremy's razors inclusive? Well, of course they are. They include blades. So there you have it. Jeremy's razors is now DEI self-accredited and still the only razor brand that actually upholds virtue instead of merely signaling it. Today, you can get 40% off your Founders Series shave kit when you go to jeremysrazors.com. That's jeremysrazors.com. Speaking of a lack of common sense, a Starbucks employee has gone viral for whining in the back room about how tough the job is. People wonder why we need a union at Starbucks, and I am literally about to quit. Like, I I don't know if I'm going to do it, but like, I really want to. I almost walked out today, and I'm crying in the back room right now, and I almost cut on the floor. It's just... 
I like I get I'm like a full time student. I get scheduled for 25 hours a week, and then on weekends they schedule me the entire day open to close. I'm on the schedule for eight and a half hours, both Saturday and Sunday. I'm like three and a half hours into my shift. There's so many customers, and we have four people on the floor all day. <laughs> and then people are yelling at me because I don't have their orders ready, and they don't know what to do. <laughs> I can't do it. And a customer was misgendering me tonight, like, really badly. I didn't have their order ready. And so they were just, like, talking, talking to each other. And they're like, she's clearly incompetent. I have a full mustache and beard. <laughs> what the f***? <laughs> I don't get accommodations for being neurodivergent. I'm, like, at my wits end with this job. Ever since he brought up the issue of misgendering, I actually don't know... I don't know what gender he is. So I'll use he, which is the gender neutral singular pronoun. He's very upset because he has to work sometimes 25 hours a week. Sometimes he has to work a full shift, a full shift being eight and a half hours. How many, how many people only work eight hours a day? Even maybe you work eight hours a day at your job, but then I know very few people who can get by working just eight hours a day, or even who want to only work eight hours a day. I'm being told, by the way, by the producers that the the video is of a of a woman who I guess is taking hormones, and it's very. It's, it was a little tough to tell because the the it's so zoomed in tight on her face that you can't quite get a picture of the whole body and height and everything to see uh, what sex she is. So she's obviously. A troubled person. She's obviously got a severe mental illness. She probably should be in a therapist's office rather than trying even to work a job. She's obviously not capable of working a job. Uh, but it, it actually raises a lesson for all of us in society. Not not just the ones who are kind of crazy and think we're the opposite sex and the you know, spoiled snowflake young people who you know never had to work a tough job in their life or whatever. It, for for all of us, we have a lesson here. This woman should be very thankful to Starbucks for presenting her with hardship and giving her an opportunity to mature and giving her an opportunity to do a difficult thing. Working at Starbucks actually is a difficult job. You gotta do, I've, I've, worked, I've worked in fast food. I've worked in restaurants. I've worked plenty of service jobs. It, it, it can be very tough. It's very demanding. Customers can be tough. You got to do things a mile a minute, especially at the lunch rush or the afternoon coffee rush. So yeah, I'm sure it's a tough job. And the main thing the main takeaway that this young lady should find in this year is to stop complaining. Stop complaining. It is, it is such a gift in, in for everybody in life to face hardship and then not complain and suffer in silence and cultivate a spirit of resignation and patience and fortitude all of which are virtues that are completely forgotten in our, I'm getting so angry, I'm going to throw my microphone off here, that are completely forgotten in our decadent modern culture. It's really, it's wonderful. That will, that will make you a stronger person. It will make you a better person. It will make you a holier person if you do that. You don't need to whine about every problem. In fact, you should never whine ever about anything. You can engage in criticism 
especially if that criticism can be effective. I mean, that's what this show is, right? We're criticizing the modern culture, but not we're not criticizing it from the perspective of, wow, 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 things are so bad right now. I hate it. Isn't this a terrible world? No, quite the opposite. We're saying, this is what's bad. Here's how we got to fix it. This is what we got to stop doing. This is what we got to start doing. Here is, this is, this is not working as well as it should right now. Here's a better policy to put in its place. That's, that's a wonderful thing. Fixing things is a wonderful thing. But, but whining and complaining and saying, woe is me, you should never say that. Excise that from your vocabulary because we all make fun of that chick at Starbucks. We, are all, we have all been that chick at some point in our lives. We have, especially me because I can't really grow a beard that well. So, you know, it's, it's pretty patchy actually. We're not so different, she and I, especially today that I'm in my Rachel Maddow costume for Halloween. We have all been that chick at some point and then I hope most of us have grown up and learned to not. I, we're living in a time when we're told, don't repress anything. Don't, you know, you've got to let it all out. You've just got to talk. Don't talk about your feelings. When, when you complain, when you whine, you put burden on other people. You, there's a study about this. There was a study. It just came. I just saw this in the Drudge Report. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But it's citing real academics here that stress spreads like a virus from people to people. The neuroscientist Tom, Tony W. Buchanan, who's a professor at St. Louis University, measured the response of people who were simply observing stress in others. And he found that the observer's cortisol levels spiked via a phenomenon known as stress contagion, the spread of stress from person to person like a virus. And we all know anecdotally that this is true. We all know that this is true. Because we, if you've ever had a sort of difficult relative or, you know, a friend who's just constantly whining about everything, you know, it puts you on edge as well. And I wonder too, as I say, the chief cause of all of our ills in the modern age is not some political philosopher or some government bureaucrat or some stupid policy or something. It's that people are not getting baptized and so demons are running amok because we don't have enough exorcisms going on. It's just a fact, okay? We say hard facts on this show. That's one of them. Uh, but Another cause of so much of the disorder, I wonder if it's because we have these social media feeds, the feeds, right? We're just constantly feeding ourselves like horses with a slop bag on, except we're feeding ourselves images and, and uh, audio and, and videos and things like that. And so much of that content is really angry, stressful content where it's, you know, the transgender person yelling and screaming and, you know, or it's the, even people on the right often do this. I sometimes fear that I will, I will never have a career in political commentary. I guess I do have one, but in the long run, because I can't get angry. I get angry like twice a year. And most political commentary is someone sort of just shaking their fist at the screen or yelling into a microphone. I just can't do that. I'm not that angry. I'm dismayed at the state of the world. I would like to turn things around. I got some ideas on how to do that. But I just, because it's just, it's just rude (laughs) to be angry and whining and complaining all the time. And it shows that you're not in control of your emotions. And it shows that you haven't cultivated a higher will. And it shows that you're still given to your base passions. Don't do it. Don't be like that chick at Starbucks, folks. Let me yell that into the microphone. Don't be like that chick at Starbucks. Because it will make you very unhappy and it will make the people around you very unhappy as well. Now, speaking of whining, Penguin Random House is uh, potentially going to cancel a book that they're doing with Amy Coney Barrett. Why on earth would a major publisher cancel a book that is written by a justice on the Supreme Court? Well, because hundreds of Penguin Random House staffers and other literary professionals feel that it's, it's wrong for Penguin to publish her book. They say, 
This is not just a book that we disagree with, and we are not calling for censorship. Many of us work daily with books we find disagreeable to our personal politics. Rather, this is a case where a corporation has privately funded the destruction of human rights with obscene profits. Coney Barrett is free to say as she wishes, but Penguin Random House must decide whether to fund her position at the expense of human rights in order to inflate its bottom line or to truly stand behind the values it proudly espouses to hold. What are they saying? They're saying it's because of Dobbs. It's because the Supreme Court said that there's no constitutional right to kill hundreds of thousands of babies a year, which is obviously the case. And, uh, you know, the states now can decide whether they want to kill babies or not. They're saying this is a violation. Penguin Random House is funding the obliteration of human rights. So one, the book is obviously happening after the Dobbs decision. So they're, they're just even getting their timeline wrong. They wouldn't be funding. And Amy Coney Barrett gets a very nice salary as a federal judge. So it's not funding any sort of decision. But what this is about, this is about an idea that the left has, has promulgated in recent years, which is everything I don't like is a violation of human rights. <laughs> everything I don't like, it needs to be booted from the public square. It can't even be discussed. It's a violation of human rights. And they use human rights to describe everything. Truly everything that they want is a human right. Getting your genitals lopped off because you have a fantasy, that's now a human right. Forget about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they would say healthcare is a human right. Again, I don't know exactly what that means, but now they've taken it to the truly to the realm of the absurd where they're saying lopping off my genitals is a human right and getting you to pay for it and uh, killing my baby. That's a human right. And so what's the cure for this? Because in a world where everything is a human right, then nothing is a human right, right? And you can claim that anything is a human right if you like it, then that phrase doesn't have any meaning. What is the cure for this? The cure for this is changing our perspective on the law. And even conservatives are going to have to change our perspective on the law. Right now, the libs view the law as just a a weapon to wield, to attack their political opponents. And the right tends to view the law in this really reductionist uh, way, which is just the law is exactly what is written in the text of the Constitution or the text of the statute, uh, forgetting all sorts of context, forgetting the debates that led up to the enactment of that law, and forgetting, most importantly, the underlying principles of, of justice and the uh, natural law that undergird the positive law. And uh, you see this especially in the way that conservatives now call ourselves originalists and especially textualists. No, the, the cure for this is to view the law not as just a bunch of random preferences that we can enshrine in a statute, but as an objective reality that we can know and discover through the use of our reason. Because the the civil law derives from the, the general principles of the natural law. We know that it is wrong to commit murder, not just because there's a federal law against it or a state law against it, but because that is a fact of the objective moral order that we can know because it is within the natural law, we can know that through the use of our reason. I think we've got to become much, much more confident of that moral view. Yet again, this comes back to conservatives need to ditch the you do you kind of skepticism. Who, who really knows, you know, what's good or bad? You do what you, your good might be my bad and my bad. No, we got to ditch that nonsense. There is such a thing as good. There is such a thing as bad. We can know quite a lot about that through our reason and our moral conscience. And we need to be able to articulate that and enforce it through the law. It's the only way out of, of the lib saying, wah, 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 everything I want is a human right. And conservatives have basically nothing to say that to, to that. 
these days, unless we can acknowledge, no, there is an objective reality. We can perceive it. And we are going to enforce that through the law. Now, you know, today, enough about the law. Today is Music Monday, baby. And so my producers assure me they've got a a wonderful song for me to listen to, to analyze, because I am a hip-hop maven. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.